If you build it, he will come. The Yankees and the White Sox start a three-game series in Dyersville, Iowa, the site of the movie Field of Dreams. The pomp and circumstance will be off the charts, but will the teams be able to focus on the task of this still being a huge game for both of them? That counts. We'll talk about that and the state of the Yankees, where they're at right now with our good friend Ken Davidoff, who is in Iowa for the game. If you subscribe to it, you could listen to the Pinstripe Pod from the New York Post next. Hello and welcome back to the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast with the New York Post. It's Chris Sheeran here with four-time World Series champion Yankees dominant relief pitcher Jeff Nelson. You'll hear our producer, of course, Jake Brown, as well during the show. Follow us on Twitter. That's at Chris Sheeran. Yes, at NYNelly43. And at the Mets are no longer in first place and are in third place, Jake Brown Radio. Do us a favor and go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a nice review. We appreciate it. Our buddy from the Post, Ken Davidoff, will join us later in the show. He's from Iowa, by the way, before the Field of Dreams game. Jake, that's a long Twitter name. What the hell happened? Listen, they're only game out. I'm not, I'm not ready to panic yet. <laughs> still lots of baseball to play, like you guys were saying early on. So we're, we're both still chasing a playoff spot. How about Atlanta jumping up and tied with Philadelphia? I can't, I can't believe it because Philly's yeah. bullpen is a disgrace. How the hell? And then Atlanta loses Acuna and they only get better. It makes zero sense. Well, but, they, well, they get four outfielders after they lost Acuna. Well, they went all in for it. The Mets did not. They went right. to get Trevor Williams and Baez, who's hurt. So uh, I digress. All minus run differentials except the Atlanta Braves. The Atlanta Braves may win this division. The BMI levels are just escalating, and the cholesterol levels are escalating every day as we speak. Playing at noon, so we got to hurry so you can get out to the game. Yeah, so I could so I can melt in hundred degree temperatures. Yeah, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do that. Yeah, like I did with my kids at Great Adventure yesterday. That was a. Oh, you did? Oh, yeah. (laughs) What'd you ride? Shearney on the rides. What were you riding? No, 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 no. Shearney doesn't go on the rides because you'll have a awful Shearney the rest of the day. Um, So I I went on the Buccaneer, which is the old pirate ship. I went on Harley Quinn's uh, roller coaster with the kids. I went on the runaway train. Uh, they went on Green Lantern, Batman, Nitro, King Dakar by the time we got over there was closed, thank God. And I went on the parachute ride with my youngest daughter. So I went on basically the kiddie rides and everybody else went on the uh, thrill-seeking roller coasters. I cannot do those, though, because my equilibrium and my stomach would have been a mess the rest When of you me. get older, I used to be a thrill-seeker. I used to ride those roller coasters all the time. And when you start getting into your 40s and stuff, you can't do it anymore. No, I could never do it, Nelly. No, See, I, I could go. I could go on a boat during a hurricane. I don't get sick. I, I could bounce all over the water. I'm fine. You put me on one of those rides, and I am a mess for the rest of the day. I can't do loops. I just can't do loops. Oh, I was never a coaster fan. I would ride the kitty coaster at the carnival until I was like <laughs> the teacups. Yeah, no, the, the the green dragon coaster that would like just go in a little circle. There's but, Jake uh, with his tea, his cheesesteak on a teacup. <laughs> <laughs> See, I was worried that I was gonna take some crap for not going on these big roller coasters, but I'm amongst friends. I like it. This is great. You know, 
my nine-year-old is going on the Batman and the Green Lantern and everything else. And I'm just sitting there holding the backpack. No, no, no. You guys go ahead. I'll hold everything. Give me your water. You guys go have fun. It's fine. Daddy will go on Roaring Rapids, which is now called the Congo Rapids. Uh, so, yeah. It was a it was a good I like day. Anything water rides because then when you're sweating your balls off, you're at least getting wet uh, and you're staying cool. So any of those rides are keeping you cool. Especially yesterday was as hot as it's going to be today. So and you get your weekly shower in, so that's always good. <laughs> yeah, and my wife and I and my my two kids, we were the only four people on the Congo Rapids that didn't get a drop of water. We went off that ride hotter than we were when we got on the damn ride. <laughs> it was terrible. Anyway, it is the field of dreams uh game tonight as we tape this here on a thursday so i figured in honor of that nelly why don't we uh why, and i just got a text from my producer yes uh, mike medvin he's producing the pregame and postgame tonight and he's asking all the yes network talent what our favorite baseball movie was so i put a list of them in here because i i really he made me pick one i really just can't pick one but i picked one for him but I have a list here, Nelly. I'm curious. I'll go through my list, but I want to hear what your favorite baseball movie of all time was and why before I give you my list here. Um, I'm going to probably say Bull Durham only because, you know, everybody asks, oh, all, out of all these baseball movies, what's the most realistic? And, you know, as far as whether it's major league or minor league, and I think Bull Durham is probably the most realistic as far as a minor league town, minor league movie well did you have a susan sarandon in your minor league oh, there was, yes <laughs> i didn't personally but there's a lot when you go to these minor league cities there's a lot of those susan sarandons uh-huh. that, uh, try to try to hook up with some players but what about I millie mean, was there a millie in your uh, minor league town there was a millie there was people that got married on the field there's you know that's uh you know the pitching coach comes out and says okay what are they gonna what are you gonna get them for their wedding um you know there's uh, I, I played in that stadium that, uh, that was. Uh, did you that really? Dorm. Yeah, because it was the old. I was in the the Carolina League, and it was an A ball team. Now it's a Triple A team, and now it's a different stadium, I think. But yeah, I forget who they were. I think it might have been the Braves. It might have been a Braves affiliate back then, and I think it might be a J. Uh, maybe a Rays or some. I don't know who. It yeah, is Durham. Now. The Durham Bulls were the Braves, and now now they're the Rays. I think they're the Rays Triple A team, actually. Yeah, and they were the uh, they were the Braves back then. This is nineteen ninety. So you know, I, I like that movie only because it was it, it brought back some minor league memories of mine. So minor league was probably the greatest. I mean, not great. I mean, not any greater than the big leagues, but it was some great days. I mean, you had some great times, good bus rides, long bus rides, but that's probably my favorite one. Yeah. I I was going to ask you from your perspective, because obviously you're the only one out of the three of us that played major league baseball. So it's going to be interesting to get your take on what the, what your favorite movie was. What about you, Jake? There's a lot out there to choose from. What was that one with Bernard Gilkey out in the outfield? I mean, had a little bit of a, Oh yeah. What was it? uh, Not independence day men in black. Yeah, is that, is that a baseball movie now? <laughs> I don't know, but it had a met. It had a met in it. So well, I, well they filmed it next to you know Flushing Meadows there, right, Flushing Meadows right. Park. I'll, I'll go with a uh, a curveball and say Angels in the Outfield because everyone says major. Yeah. I could have said I could say <laughs> major league. Danny Glover, was Danny Glover? Danny Glover, yes, uh, the little to- kid PJ. Tony Danza. Um, I, it was yes. just like a. It was Tony Danza. It was a field Angela, movie. Mona. 
<laughs> Samantha. It was a feel-good movie, you know. And then, then like when the Mets get Angel Pagan, people would do the Angel in the outfield wave. It, it's corny, but it was, it was good. I could easily say Major League as well, or Major League Two, but I'm gonna go Angel in the outfield because as a kid, it was like one of those feel-good uprising movies. Uh, since I'm such a baseball geek, I'm just gonna run through the gamut here because I really just can't pick one. The one I picked. Uh, for my Yes Network graphic tonight is for love of the game. I That movie just is the complete game for me. Like Costner throws a complete game. He throws a perfect game against the Yankees as a member of the Tigers. So that's the movie I gave them, but I'll just run through them really quick because it's impossible for me to just pick one. The original Bad News Bears for sure. Walter Matthau is the drunk manager. I love it. Uh, the Natural, of course, Roy Hobbs. Brewster's Millions, which resonates with me because... I kind of identify with Richard Pryor's character because if I ever won the lottery or came into that much money, I'd probably do the same thing and probably get my 38 and over New Jersey team to scrimmage the Yankees. And I'd throw the first pitch and the announcer would go, what is that, his changeup? No, I think that was his fastball. Bull Durham, Major League, a league of their own, Mr. Baseball, Rookie of the Year, the Sandlot, obviously, the Scout, Al Percolo. Uh, that was a great movie. 61, of course, The Rookie, The Benchwarmers, Sugar, which I don't know if either of you guys have heard of. If you love baseball, you would love that movie. Million Dollar Arm and Trouble with the Curve. So I, I have a lot. I have to say, you know, there's a lot that I could watch over and over and over again. But if I had to pick a couple just to if I, I if I was on a desert island, say I'd have the Major League DVD for sure. The Bad News Bears and uh, the Sandlot. Those three, probably the top three. And Field of Dreams, of course. You know, it's funny because I, you know, they filmed the Love It, Free Love It game, obviously, in Yankee Stadium. So they used a lot of some, they used a lot of the Yankee minor league players. Uh, they had our... Was it your bullpen catcher? The yeah, bullpen catcher, yeah. catcher taught the catcher in the movie. I don't know what the guy's name was. John John C. O'Reilly. Yeah, how to uh, how to catch and what to do. And actually, they, you know, some of the, some of the scenes, actually, the bullpen catcher was in it as a, like a stunt double almost, I guess you would say. Our head trainer was a trainer for everyone. Kevin Costner came in our locker room when they were filming it. They used some of the game footage as far as the fans and everything. One of the major league movies were in Baltimore and, uh, my scout, the guy, my scout that signed me, he had to go and recruit some baseball players and stuff to play in this movie just to make it look real. <clears throat> so I couldn't play in it, obviously, because I was in the major leagues and a different union and all that other crap. But I went down there and I met Sorano, Sorano and, and a lot of the guys down there. And, I, you know, uh, so that, that was funny. That was pretty cool. So I got to see a lot of them per, in person. But uh, Bull Dorm's probably. One. A fun fact about Sandlot is that I interviewed Squints from oh, Sandlot. I have his number. Yeah. And now he, oh, well, when I talked to him a few years ago, he was running a marijuana dispensary in California. Oh, nice. So he went from being a star kid in movie. Squints. Yeah, he be, squints. He's putting a new meaning to squints. Yes, he is. Adult age. <laughs> <laughs> he's quit the acting business and just smoking weed. Uh, what a transition. Might be a lot more profitable for him because you've never seen him in any other movie, did you? Yeah, I guess the movie industry got the best of him. So he's like, let me just get high instead. And uh, there you go. Well, that's actually kind of funny because when I wear my glasses and I turn my hat backwards, my wife thinks I look like Squint. So that's uh, I'm not running a weed dispensary. So don't get any ideas, Jake. All right. um, it doesn't take anything else. Yeah, continue. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, Nelly, let's let's get into the Yankees a little bit here. First, I want to hit you with this. There's a mystery player. I want to see if you can guess who it is. His last nine games, this is what he's slashing. 563, 667, 
750, and his OPS is over 1,400. Can you name that player for the New York Yankees? Oh, I would say LeMahieu, but you didn't say his average. Yeah, 563. Oh, no, it's not. That's over the last nine games that he's played. Okay, so it's not LeMahieu. Oh, my goodness. Jake, any guesses? Brett Gardner? No, that is incorrect. Tyler Wade, ladies and gentlemen. Tyler Wade <laughs> is slashing 563 with a 667 on base and a 750 slugging over his last nine games, and his OPS is over 1,400, for crying out loud. This is a guy that we've got on, like, I don't know, time and time again, and and he's having this uh, unbelievable run over those nine games. I think he started six times, but and he's also had four stolen bases, two in the last game against the Kansas City Royals, in which the Yankees won. And uh, this is just another situation, Jeff, where we talked about on BPTV how the Yankees are just finding different ways to win and how all these COVID ILs are forcing the Yankees Yankees to have these next man up situations and Tyler Wade let's face it I mean he's we, we've talked about him potentially as this 4A player who you know is great defensively he's like a Swiss army knife in the field Jeff but he, he just wasn't able to hit at this level if he starts unlocking this and it continues I know this could just be a stretch we've seen it in baseball all the time that's baseball Susan but I just find it amazing how the Yankees just find different ways to win going through all of this stuff I mean other teams this would destroy other teams but the Yankees are like that cockroach that you keep stepping on and they keep coming back to life Nelly yeah you know you can't it seems like you can't you can't bring this team down at all. I think, you know, just when you think when you lose Judge and Urshela and you're going through a tough part of the schedule, you lose three pitchers that, okay, they're probably their season's done. Uh, they hang in and they lose Cole and Montgomery. They hang in. Urshela's still on the IL. Chapman's on the IL. Uh, and they're still in. You know, it's, it's, it is amazing. I mean, there is some, there is some concerns with some of the, some of their guys. And, you know, some guys are stepping up like Tyler Wade. He's getting a chance to play every day and, it's a good thing to see. He's playing the outfield as well, not just like not just the infield. So you know, anybody that's getting an opportunity right now, they're making the best of it. You know, I think they do need to hopefully address some issues and maybe Urshela get they get back at some time because Odor is just not a third baseman. He doesn't have a strong enough arm. There's got to be something going on with DJ LeMahieu that he's not over at third base and putting Odor at second. So that, that's why when everybody you know. Over his last 15 games, I think you're starting to see the Mayhew that everybody's used to seeing. Is hitting over, you know, what, 290, 295. But there's got to be – that's why when we've kept talking, everybody said, oh, you know, what's go- what's going on with DJ? He's got to get back. He's not the hitter that he was. You know, all of a sudden he signs a deal. And I said, well, he's probably going through something. So I think that's the first clue that he's not playing third base, that something's going on. Maybe his arm's sore. Maybe he can't, uh, he can't get the ball across the diamond that far because Odor is not a third baseman, and it's much easier to put and switch those two guys, and they're not doing it. Yeah, I got to give you a lot of credit for that because, you know, Ken Davidoff, who will join us in a little bit, a uh, friend of the program, he was uh, giving him the business, and Brandon Tierney was giving him the business, but Jeff Nelson called it. And uh, the fact that he remains at second base, and as you said, Nelly, that he's not at the hot corner, that speaks volumes, and he's probably going through some issues, and he's playing through them, old school style, which is actually nice to see. Now, the question I need to ask you, need, not want, but need. I know 
Montgomery and Cole are throwing bullpens this weekend in Chicago, then they're going to be back in the rotation, hopefully next week. Uh, Severino maybe next week as well, but you don't know what you're going to get out of him. Domingo Herman maybe late August, and Corey Kluber, he's on a rehab assignment. Uh, they're thinking him back in September along with Michael King and Clark Schmidt. So reinforcements are on the way. But my concern, Jeff, is this bullpen usage that the Yankees are going through currently. I mean, it's it's patchwork and it's helping them get wins. We saw that nine pitcher game uh, recently. We just saw Lucas Lickey start the last game in Kansas City. But is this and I know they're getting some arms back next week in Monty and Cole. But is this usage sustainable, especially when you're heading down into September and if you get into the playoffs? in for a playoff run. Yeah, you know, that's that's the toughest thing because you're going to need some of these starters to go deep in the game, and, and you're not because, you know, Cole is one of those guys that he reaches 100 pitches around five innings because he's just, he, he gets into a lot of deep counts. Montgomery, he's a five, six-inning guy himself. You don't have any guys on this in this rotation that's going to give you a consistent seven innings every single time he goes out. And that's a concern. And you talked about Severino. Severino's going to come back. He's going to be on a pitch limit. So, you know, that could be five innings. It could be four innings until he builds up. So a lot of these guys are coming back. Great. You're going to might have, you might have to put some of these guys in the bullpen to try to help these guys out. And having two bullpen days in a row, and I know being down there and it's late in the season and now it's the dog days and you're, you're like, you know, this is uh, this is a little concerning. Now, I, I saw Chad Green. And I just looked at the amount of games he has. He only has 47 games. I'm saying only. I'm just thinking about when we pitched. I mean, we're probably in the 50s by now in the mid-August and hitting close to 70 to 75 games by the end of September. So they're way off of that pace. But it, it's still, you know, with these guys and the way they take care of them, you're not seeing them throwing two days in a row and overexert themselves. They're not getting up and down in the bullpen. When they are up, they are in the game. There's not very many times that they don't get the pitch when they are up, and I'm not going to say the word, but you're the uh, the, the dry the dry whatever that you want to uh, that that I've said before. But no, it's it is concerning. Dry hump. You can't get dry hump out there. Might as well say it. Heck with it. But it is concerning a little bit. Obviously, I think you know what's interesting is that now that Rizzo has been out of this lineup. The offense is not, you know, they played close games when he was in the lineup with the Marlins, but this offense is not the same when he's not there. And it's not as, it's not that great of an offense, I think, still. They battled to beat Kansas City, and they battled to beat Seattle. And I know Seattle's in that playoff run as well, but I don't see them as a playoff team. I definitely don't see Kansas City as a playoff team, but they're struggling to beat these teams. They're beating them, but they're struggling to beat them. Well, you know, it seems like all season long, and the Yankees have good problems, have we've as we've discussed before. But all season, like Stanton was on that hot streak, and then he goes on the IL. Glaber Torres is the most recent one. He started finally, and it wasn't like the Glaber Torres of a couple years past, where he's hitting home run after home run. It was the Glaber Torres we saw when he first came to the Yankees and came up, spraying the ball all over the place, base hits left and right. Uh, he was really starting to bring the average up. And now he's lost with the, with the thumb injury uh, till the end of August uh, at the very latest. That's when he'll be back. I think August 28th, and that's the Oakland series out there uh, in Oakland. The Yankees' last trip out to the West Coast for this season. But it just seems like the offense, every time it seems like it, it could start to go again, Jeff, they take another hit. Now, 
I'm not saying that that's the issue with the offense because we have seen it completely healthy and we have seen it sputter through some series. And that's why the Yankees have dug themselves a hole because they never had the pitching and the hitting aligned like you would see the stars align. You know, that's stupid phrase. But, you know, I just think that this team needs to put everything together. And if they ever do, they can make a deep run in October. They really have the tools and the talent. I'm just waiting for it to be Miller time for crying out loud. No, I agree. I mean, they do. They have the talent to go deep. It's just they haven't been a complete team at all this year. I mean, they've always lost a key component somehow, whether to COVID or injury, whatever it's been. But, you know, they they need to – I would like to see this team completely healthy, have the rotation completely healthy and and see where that goes. But, you you know, they are hanging in there. They still have a road to climb – or a hill to climb. And, you you know, it's – they are playing decent baseball. They're beating – even though they're they're struggling beating these guys, they're they're beating the teams they should beat. Now this is going to be an interesting series. They go into Chicago, first game in Iowa, which I think is going to be an exciting time for the players. Hopefully, uh, you know, they don't get lost. And it's going to be easy to get lost in that nostalgic part of – you know, the field of dreams and, and all of that. It's easy to get lost into that and not even, and it almost takes you away from the playoff type baseball and the meaning that, hey, we got to still win a game here uh, because it's going to be seeming, it's going to seem like an exhibition. And, and I don't know how you get off of that until you get back to Chicago for the weekend, you have Friday off. But, you know, they, this is uh, this is another, I mean, they swept them, they swept the White Sox in, in, at Yankee Stadium. It's going to be different now. You know, the White Sox are maybe one of the best teams in the American League. They got an easy lead in that central and uh, you know, they're pretty much on cruise control until the end of the year, but they're getting some guys back healthy and, you know, for the Yankees, hopefully they can get over the part that this just doesn't feel like an exhibition game. Yeah. I think that's a fair point on your part, Nelly. I think that's the job of the, the coaching staff, especially Aaron Boone to not be a complete wet blanket uh, and just say, we got to go out there. We got to win. You, you can't No, It's that healthy balance that he actually has within that clubhouse. He's got to tell them guys, this is a unique opportunity. You know, this is a great chance to go out there and be nostalgic and, and, and have fun But we have to remember, this game counts. You know, we're still battling for a playoff spot here. So there's that tightrope you have to walk when you go into this game tonight. Yes, go have fun. Yes, drink it all in. But always remember that this game is as important as the game we just played in Kansas City. You know, they have to realize they're still fighting for a playoff spot. And I think they will. I I think this team knows what's at stake. And I know, and I think they could truly balance that tightrope in having fun, but also playing this game to win tonight. Yeah, and it's, a, and it's a really strange beginning of next week as well when you have the Angels coming in just for one day. You know, that's really odd. And then you have the doubleheader against the Red Sox. You basically have two days, three games in two days. So, you know, it's a really strange beginning of the week. You know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. You know, it's uh, it almost, you almost benefit a little bit by playing the seven innings this time against the Red Sox. So that probably helps the Yankees a little bit more. I think they're supposed to get sale back. They're not going to see that. I don't think the Yankees are going to see sale. I think sale comes back maybe Saturday, I think it is. I'm not sure, but that's going to be a boost for them. What, but What have you seen out of that team, Jeff? Because since they took three out of four from the Yankees in late July, at the end of July, they're five and 11. What has gone wrong with this, with the Boston Red Sox? Uh, offensively, they were really, really strong offensively. And offensively, they've just gone backwards a little bit. I mean, Bogarts is starting to not hit. You know, his average is dropping. Even Devers over at third is starting to, uh, you know, you're, you're seeing some holes in his swing. Martinez, J.D. Martinez. 
uh, you know, they used to be strong up and down that lineup. And now it's starting to come back a little bit. You know, I still don't say, you know, even though everybody counted them out and didn't think much of them in the beginning of the year and all of a sudden they surprised everyone. I still think that they can be that surprise. I still think they can they can still turn things around. And, uh, you know, they're going through a part of the season that they're they're starting to fall a little bit. And then they can all of a sudden turn it on. Once you get Sale back, and if he is if he's Chris Sale of the past, and that's really going to give them a boost in that rotation. They didn't really have a great rotation. I mean, if you're counting on Evaldi and 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 Rodriguez, who's your two best starters, I mean, they're not great. They're probably more threes and fours than than number ones and twos. So I, I think you're starting to see some of that, some of the long seasons start to play in, in, in with them. And, and I think then all of a sudden they'll start hitting a run again. You know, even they're going to get Schwarber back. It's going to be interesting to see if he plays first base, but they're going to get Schwarber here. So that's going to be, you know, that's going to be two guys on that team that's going to give them a boost. So I don't expect them to fall too far. They're just going through some, uh, you know, tough times in the season. Yeah, the offense, as you said, as you alluded to, and also the Yankee fans bitching about letting Adam Adovino go to the Red Sox or trading him to the Red Sox. Since that Yankee series that he pitched in, his last seven games, just so you know, Yankee fans, so you could quit your bitching, 10 hits, eight earned runs, and ERA over 10 and a quarter. So, and teams are hitting close to 400 against the guy with a 424 on base percentage. Yeah, you know, he's got good stuff. He just doesn't pitch inside. And when you when you have a slider like that and you really, you know, it's good that you throw it in the beginning of the count, but it's a brace, basically a, a put away slider. And, and if you're not pitching inside and if you're afraid to go in there, then you know, the legal catch up with you, and that's what it's doing. Yep. So for the Yankees coming up, as Jeff said, uh, they've got the Field of Dreams game and then a day off after 17 straight games. They'll get a day off, a much needed day off on Friday before going to Chicago to wrap up their three game set with the White Sox on Saturday and Sunday. Then, of course, as Jeff said, they have the Angels that make up game on Monday and then a Tuesday doubleheader against the Red Sox and they wrap that series up on Wednesday. It's a three-game set and that's back at home in the Bronx. So uh, there's the Yankees coming up and uh, coming up here on the Pinstripe Pod is Ken Davidoff, our buddy, friend of the program, columnist from the New York Post. Joining the Pinstripe Pod now is friend of the program, longtime New York Post baseball columnist Ken Davidoff. Follow Ken on Twitter at Ken Davidoff and read his stories in the post and at nypost.com. He has come to us from his house with his puppy from a cab and now Iowa. And uh, Ken, I hear the apple pie hot dog is phenomenal. It was an experience, Sherry. I'll tell you that. I'm, I'm glad I tried it. I won't be having another one, but I, I think my life is richer for experiencing it. <laughs> and he's actually doing it from the toilet today. So it's, it's <laughs> that's, that's, that's why. Hey, this is exciting. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching this game. You know, the uniforms are going back to when the movie was that way, I guess. And uh, the players have got to be pumped up too. I would think so. No, I, I haven't been around. I wasn't in Kansas City. I've been here for a few days. Uh, but just reading their quotes, this is going to be a lot of fun. I mean, you're really going to have to be a, a grouch to to not to not appreciate this. I, I think they've tried to take care of the players, all the amenities. It's a it's a really big clubhouse. I think you'd appreciate it, Nelly. And uh, I thought it's going to be a very unique experience. And and my hope is everyone's going to really uh, just just enjoy this. What's the vibe there uh, locally, Kenny, with with uh, the Dyersville locals? And um, as we're getting ready for this game to to come at us tonight, what can we expect? And and what's the vibe like there? Yeah, it's just a lot of excitement. 
Chris, it, it's just such a unique event, right? I mean, this is the first Major League Baseball game in the state of Iowa in history. So it's it's really cool. And this is, you know, this whole Field of Dreams phenomenon is such an underdog story from the movie itself to choosing this farmland in Iowa. You know, the movie was, certainly was not supposed to be a big hit and that it's it remains such an important part of our culture 32 years later. And then on top of that, to hold a game there, there's a lot of excitement. I have, this is my second time here in a month now. There are, are is some bitterness among some of the locals that more of the tickets aren't available that the tickets are so pricey uh look it's capitalism i mean there are there's there are limits to this but i i think for the most part there's a, a huge amount of excitement you know i wonder how tough have you heard from any of the players or how they feel about this game because i know they're excited about this because of a movie and you know going to a you know a small town and playing a game but at the same time i mean you We've played exhibition games during the season where you're going and you're playing AAA and you're like going through the motions. And obviously the White Sox have got a big lead in the central, but the Yankees are fighting for a playoff spot. And now you're going and playing a game in a small town. And in some ways it takes away from that playoff type atmosphere. And it almost seems to me, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, like an exhibition type game. No, that's a great call. And uh, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a tightrope, right? Because there's going to be a lot of pregame festivities, you know, and I, I know from a media standpoint, you know, the managers and players are going to come do some media and a tent. And, you know, most of the questions are not going to be, hey, Aaron, how much do you need to win this game in this series? It's going to be, talk about this, you know, this this setting, this experience. Uh, so yeah, then it's going to be time to lock in once the game starts. And I think ideally you have all that pomp and circumstance before the game. And once Lance Lynn throws the first pitch, everyone locks in and plays a, a competitive ball game. But yeah, you you can speak to that far better than I can, just about that the need to walk that tightrope i think once lance lynn does throw that first pitch all of the romanticizing of the game and where it is will go away i think the players will really feel that once they start playing the game and and the playoff atmosphere will take over that's just in my opinion but i'm glad you brought up if unless you're a grouch you're gonna like this game because this game has so many feelings on so many levels for so many people. Uh, I know with me and my late father, we really bonded over this movie. He was a catcher. Uh, I pitched for a while. And whenever I wanted to have a catch with my father, he would drop everything. He would come right home from work and he would go on the side yard with me and he would have a catch. So, I mean, I don't care how much corn is involved, meaning corny stuff tonight. This means a lot and has meant a lot for me, the anticipation for this one. Kenny, so I can't wait to tell you the truth. Oh man, Chris, I, mean, I I love this movie. It's funny. I, I actually saw this my freshman year of college. And I I, my, I love my dad. I was close to my dad. We didn't really connect over this movie per se, but we certainly played catch hundreds, if not thousands, of times. And my dad died in 2015. I have not been able to watch this movie since my dad died. I just I think if I watch that, I'd need to be institutionalized for a month. <laughs> so, Same. Uh, Same. So even I'll tell you what I was driving. It's an hour. I'm in staying in Cedar Rapids. There are no hotels in Dyersville. Just FYI. Uh, so it's an hour, 10 minute drive from uh, from Cedar Rapids Dyers. I was listening to our friend Sweeney Murdy's podcast yesterday. He interviewed the director, writer, director of Field Dreams, Phil Alden Robinson. I was crying just listening to the interview. You know, <laughs> it's just, this movie just touches me in such a deep way. And, and I, you and I are not alone. The other, so. the, yeah. The other thing, too, Kenny, is Dwyer Brown, the, the, the guy who played um, Kevin Costner's father in the movie. His dad died actually a week before they filmed that scene. And I just read on his website too that every night they had to wait because the corn, there was a drought back in 1988 when they were filming. So they had to wait every night for that golden sky to come in to, to, to film that scene over and over and over again. And he said every time he had to say, 
I like that after Kevin Costner said, hey, dad, you want to have a catch? He said it got him. I mean, that's why it was so emotional for him. And I think that's why it translated and resonated with so many people is because Dwyer was going through that very thing right there. And he's saying that line to Kevin Costner that just makes this. I know like guys like Christopher Mad Dog Russo and Mike Francesa had their issues with it because Shoeless Joe Jackson was a lefty <laughs> and, and Kevin and, and what when Ray Liotta was batting right hand. I Come on. Just let go of like what happened in real life and just really take the movie in for crying out loud. Talk about two grouches when the damn movie came out. <laughs> I could not agree more. Yes, I, I absolutely adore this movie and James Earl Jones. That speech, I remember I convinced my son was like in a speech contest when he was like in second grade and I convinced him to do that speech as his, you know, his entry of baseball, you know, so he just so, so many different parts of this movie touched me. Well, I, I mean, I hope the players both take it serious because I mean, for me, if I'm going into this situation, obviously it's exciting, but at the same time, it just doesn't seem like playoff baseball. And hopefully the players can, you know, dial it up. Like you said, Shearney, once the first pitch is thrown, I don't know how that's going to happen because you're in there for one day. And I don't even think both teams are even spending the night there. Well, aren't they just coming in for the game and then they're out? And then what? And then I was going to ask, well, what, where's, who's the fan base? I mean, what's the fan base in Iowa? Are they more Chicago fans or Yankee fans? Are Cincinnati, I mean, where, where do these guys uh, hold their baseball uh, teams in, in their minds? So, Nelly, it's the capacity of this. It's a pop-up ballpark built just for this. The capacity is 7,911. Now, of that, of that, of those tickets, uh, 2,500 were lotteried off to locals. I would anticipate most of those, you know, let's say that, you know, thinking this through on the fly, let's say it's 50-50, right? Because there certainly are Chicago ties, although a lot of those are Cubs fans, not White Sox fans, because the Cubs AAA team is in Iowa. But then the other, what, 5,400, it's all just VIP types. You know, it's all just, you know, family and friends of the players, of the executives, of the MLB executives, of the sponsors. So I don't, you know, it's not going to be uh, Fenway Park in October. You know, it's, it's not, I think it's going to be more of a, you know, it's going to have a more of an exhibition type feel among the crowd. Kenny, I have to ask you this because I, I, I was reading uh, your columns w- while you were there in Iowa. I'm, I'm kind of getting upset. I mean, I, I can't even talk about this. It, it's amazing. My dad's been gone for almost two years now and it's still, I mean, it's fresh and it just never goes away. But I was reading your columns and I was getting a little emotional as I was doing it. And the thing that hit me is because he was in the hospital when this announcement was made back in August of uh, 19. And we were talking about it in his hospital that this was the last time he was in the hospital before he passed. And uh, I was kind of pumped about this happening in 2020 and then COVID and whatever. My brothers and I were thinking about renting a van because we we pretty much knew he wasn't going to be around. And we thought we'd have like a little bonding moment and take a van out there and just make a road trip out of it, do like a Tommy boy thing where we're going halfway across the country. Uh, Obviously that didn't happen. COVID hit. And, but when I read your column and I, and I read that, I, I felt it, Kenny, I was there with you when you saw the stands where James Earl Jones made that speech and where uh, the daughter fell off and then doc had to come off the field. What was that? feeling like for you because this this movie really resonated with you so you're there i'm not what was it like for you to be there and see that and just feel that and take it in yeah very emotional chris and i I, like so i i think we discussed this i stopped by here last month on my way home from the all-star game from denver and that's i kind of wrote that first story the story you're referencing off that 
visit. Yeah, it just it just touches my heart so deeply. And I I had the privilege of meeting Dwyer Brown yesterday. He came to the media availability and they did a whole walkthrough. And he was telling the story you just told, Cherney, about his, his dad and the father. And I was t- I told Dwyer Brown, I said, I am choking up just listening to you. So everything about being there is so emotional and, and just really sticks with you. And that's why I'm I'm really happy MLB is doing this event. And yeah, we'll we'll see whether it goes down and was the more memorable competitive ball games uh you know in baseball history but i think without a doubt it's gonna be one of the more memorable experiences now is it on the same it's not on the same grounds as the movie right it's a, a little bit further away they built a different stadium or different field or is it the same it's it's on the ground now it's a quarter mile walk from the original field it's oh, it, okay. you walk through the corn yeah that's that's pretty awesome the 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 fans actually uh, they get to walk through the corn, Nelly, and they're playing parts of the movie as you walk through the corn. And they have a, a signpost, too, right, Kenny, that has the mileage to Yankee Stadium and to a guaranteed rate field, which, as you said very eloquently, the worst name for a baseball stadium <laughs> of all time. Yes, yes, correct. <laughs> well, it's a shame Haney's going for the Yankees. You <laughs> he know, wasn't even kinda, born. He wasn't I even know. born. You kind of hope that you had somebody more significant going. I was going to ask you, any any word on Cole and Montgomery and maybe Severino? What, what's the uh, what's the deal with them? I'd much rather have seen those guys than uh, a guy that they probably shouldn't have traded for. First of all, I'm going to defend Andrew Haney. He won the other day. He got a win. He did. Okay. At a time when they're in pitching. He came back. He did. You know, he, he didn't do that great the first two No, but he grinded. He did settle down and he, and he, you know, he went six innings. So, yes, I'll, I'll, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Yes. He was Eric Neese, Nelly. It was the grind that game. Uh, but to answer your question, now, yeah, it sounds like Colin Montgomery could be back in the rotation as early as next week uh, against the Red Sox. And then, uh, oh, Severino, one more rehab start, minor league start. I forget the exact day now, but then, then he could be back as well. Kenny, we know we got to get you out of here. We appreciate the time. I don't want to say I'm envious or jealous because those are two things you don't want to say ever, but I am kind of. I, I really wanted to be there, and I'm just glad one of us is there, and you could tell us all about the experience when you get back. And we have you on once again, but Ken Davidoff, you could follow him at Twitter at Ken Davidoff, long time uh, New York Post baseball columnist. You could read his stuff, nypost.com and get the paper as well at Ken Davidoff on Twitter. Thanks a lot, buddy. We appreciate it. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. That says goodnight to episode 77, the Clint Frazier edition of the Pinstripe Pod, our Yankees podcast from the New York Post. Thanks to Jake Brown and Brian Mungia for producing the show. Do us a solid. Go into Apple Podcasts right now. Give us a five-star rating. Write in a positive review. We do appreciate it. You can also find us on Spotify or wherever else you get your podcasts. For Jeff Nelson, I'm Chris Sheeran. We're back on Monday after the Yankees series with the White Sox. Enjoy the games in your weekend. Thanks for listening to the Pinstripe Pod.